We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Oregon fans, what's going on, everybody? Uh, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. I'm your host, Max Torres. That's Mark Wang, and we are going to be breaking down Oregon's 41-20 to 20 win over the BYU Cougars. Man, it feels good to be back on the Ducks Dish podcast, uh, weekend edition, um, and uh, we've got some time to, you know, break this game down some more, let things soak in. Uh, hear from Dan Lanning and, and you know, kind of rewatch some of the games. So what we want to do is, is obviously break down this win, get into some areas that, that really caught our interest and, and kind of just give our thoughts on, on where this Oregon team is at through three weeks, through non-conference play as they get ready for Pac-12 play. Uh, but before we get into that, um, make sure you guys hop in the live chat or if you're watching this on replay, let us know how you're feeling about this Oregon team after defeating BYU. Uh, and with all of that being said, Mark, how you doing, man? Doing pretty good, Max. Uh, long day yesterday, but uh, it was a fun day up on the uh, fun day up at the stadium. Yeah, man that uh, that atmosphere looked amazing. Uh, I, I I wasn't at the game, but just hearing the the crowd um, after you know seeing some of those highlights, it it just really felt electric. It looked like the smoke had cleared. Uh, it was a smoky day when when I was there with you last week against Eastern Washington. Uh, but I remember before this game, Mark, you were saying, "Hey, these BYU fans travel pretty well." But uh, you know, another game. I think the capacity was over fifty four thousand. The attendance. Um, so what what was that kind of just like? You know, being at that game up in Austin. How was the atmosphere? Yeah, atmosphere was rocking. Uh, the student section was pretty much completely full, which I was a little bit surprised about, given that classes don't start for another week. Um, but with people getting here early, uh, student section was nice, lively and full. It was real electric. Um, when the crowd got lo- when the crowd got loud, <laughs> we could hear it and feel it in the, cr- feel it up in the, uh, in the press box. And then, yeah, there were large swaths of blue all over the place. Kind of like the, if you're looking out from the press box, that kind of corner on the left of us full of BYU fans and then kind of looking down and around, you could see kind of big swaths of BYU fans all over. So mad respect to the BYU fans for traveling up here uh, for this game. Uh, y'all traveled really well um, for this uh, for this game, and this uh, this ap- that atmosphere was ele- was definitely electric. Glad to hear it. Well, we have some some subtopics that we want to get into, but just kind of want to get some some kind of get into some thoughts, some overarching thoughts uh, before we kind of uh, hone in a little bit. I mean, Ducks get a, a much-needed win. Uh, the first win, first statement win of, of really, I think you can say, of the Dan Lanning era. That's kind of what uh, what the headlines have read because you get that win over Eastern Washington, and you're definitely feeling pretty good after getting shellacked by Georgia in week one. Um, but I still feel like you couldn't take too much from it because you know it was an FCS opponent that had barely beaten Tennessee State the week before. Uh, there were still some things that you you know think that you could clean up for for Oregon from a defensive perspective, from special teams. Um, but it was really nice to just get a lot of guys in that game. I think a lot of young guys, and, and Oregon was ultimately able to do that uh, again against BYU. Maybe not to the same extent, but they were able to get some younger guys in, which I think is really important. Like I've said a bunch of times now, they struggled to do that last year. So 
I think that that was good. Um, the offense just continues to, to hit its mark and, and really looking like they're efficient. Um, and I think that Oregon really matched and I, you could argue set the tone physically on both sides of the ball. Um, so I think you want to see that physicality, that the execution was good. It was a, a fairly clean game overall from a penalty standpoint, from what I've been able to gather. So all in all, you know, it's, it's mostly positive, uh, especially when I think Oregon was up 38 to seven. I want to say it was uh, like midway through the third quarter. So uh, you get out to a big win and, and you ultimately never really turn back. Yeah. Overall, it was a, uh... That was a really good game. Oregon did what it needed to do. You know, Bonex looked a lot better, um, looked a lot, well, yeah, looked a lot more comfortable uh, in with the with the offense uh, landing, able to really open up the play, open up the playbook. Uh, LFBP fishing here with uh, this team will be good. It just needs time. Yes, I agree with that. Uh, you know, I think every team kind of needs really that time to be able to gel, especially with this team kind of almost building from scratch, really with new coaching staff, new quarterback, things like that. Like, but this team was, this game was, I think really the first big game where Oregon could really open up the playbook and look at, and really just expand. I think uh, they said there were like six plays of 20 plus yards, including that one big 50 yard shot down the field from uh, Bo Nix, which I'll admit, I was kind of surprised to see that. He's like, what I was like, oh, whoa, that was a deep ball. That was a deep ball. I was not expecting, was not expecting that. Um, and then yeah, the defense uh started out really solid, really solid. You know, you saw, I think it was, it was like, yeah, the second play of the game because I remember the first play of the game, BYU had that big run. Um, and I think I was kind of sitting up in the box, and I think a lot of fans were sitting there thinking, like, oh dear. This could be a this could be an interesting day, and then literally the next play, uh, Oregon gets a sack of the BYU quarterback. Um, so overall, this was a solid this was a solid game, and I think it's a really good uh, foundation piece for Oregon. Yeah, I think one of the other just last big picture kind of thoughts I wanted to share before we move forward is just you you felt like this was the the first not the first test for Oregon but it was definitely the the test that they needed i think after getting beat by georgia and then coming back home to blow out eastern washington you just had two really different samples on two totally different ends of of the spectrum but byu comes to town after taking down baylor in a game that you could argue baylor should have won I mean, both of those kickers definitely had some some rough games, and, and that happened again uh, for, for BYU when, when they missed a kick against this Oregon team. So I think just it, you feel more confident heading into Pac-12 play, and that's one of the takeaways that you were writing. Um, just to give a quick, uh, quick shout-out to Mark uh, on the takeaways, you can read that story uh, as well as a bunch of our uh, BYU breakdown coverage over on Ducks Digest. But that's what you were saying is that um, th- this felt like it was – you know, the, the chance to, to gain some confidence before Pac-12 play to get a better feel for where this team's at. And, and it looks like they should be competitive. I think you can say just with how BYU stacks up with the conference, I think Oregon can head into Pac-12 play just feeling really confident about where they stand and that they should have a, a chance against anybody they come across the rest of the season. Yeah, that was a game, like, like you said, this was a game against a team that won a huge ranked matchup against Baylor the week before and this is yeah the confidence i think they needed this can show that it's like hey we can hang with the big do- with the big dogs and win well most of them if you don't count georgia because uh that game was <laughs> that game was bad um but oregon showed that yeah they can they can hang with the they can hang with some of these uh these well top ranked 25 te- teams and can win i mean i think I was expecting I was expecting this game to be close. I did not expect it to be uh, 41-20, 41-20, let alone I think it was twenty eight seven at the half. I was I think I remember watching that game. I'm like, uh, whoa, this was not expe- I was not expecting this. I think yeah, it does give Oregon that confidence going into 
going into this going into the Pac-12 play, which starts off not a, not on an easy footing. I mean, they're going out to the Palouse uh, to play Washington State, a team that has in recent years had Oregon's number. Um, I believe it was four in a row they won uh, before Oregon uh, snapped that stri- snapped that streak. Uh, in Autzen back uh, in twenty nineteen, in twenty yeah nineteen, uh, I remember I was at that game, um, and yeah, this is going to be a this is going to be a good opening Pac twelve test for Oregon. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have play more on Washington State as we kind of turn the page, um, maybe tomorrow or into Tuesday to to look ahead to to them, um, but I think that's another question that still remains after this game is. How does Oregon look on the road? You know, what aspects of Oregon's team can travel? You know, defense travels, speed travels. Um, Washington State's an underrated, um, you know, road environment, I think. And uh, it's good that they were able to, you know, kind of get get Washington State off their back. You mentioned that uh, losing streak that they kind of had for a while. Always felt like you were in for a tough game, especially when Mike Leach was there. But, um, but yeah, I think those are some of the – we hit on some good stuff here. Uh, so far, just about broad takeaways as uh, Oregon gets a big 41 to 20 win over the BYU Cougars. So let's hop into our first topic that I think we absolutely have to talk about. We got to talk about Bo Nix against BYU because man played a great game. Uh, he really did. And I think that through three weeks as an Oregon fan, as an Oregon coaching staff, you have to be feeling a lot more confident about where Bo Nix is at and, and where he can ultimately take you in this 2022 season. He does have two seasons of eligibility, but I would imagine that Bo Nix wants to come to Oregon, have a strong season, and then make his case for the NFL. Uh, I know you and I kind of talked about that when we were uh, kind of fine-tuning your story about when will Oregon see another multi-year starter at quarterback. Uh, it could be as soon as next year, but we don't know. Um, but to get back to Bo in this game, man, doesn't even throw 20 passes and still has a heck of a game. 13 for 18 through the air, 222 yards and two touchdowns. And then he really got it done with his legs as well, scoring the opening touchdown for this one. Um, And then rushing, he had nine carries for 35 yards and three touchdowns. So five total touchdowns for Bo Nix and his awesome performance uh, against uh, BYU. That's the second straight game where he scored five touchdowns uh, after just throwing it all over the field against Eastern Washington. Um, so I think one of the biggest takeaways from this game, as far as Bo Nix and kind of where he's at, is Georgia was not a good indication of where he's at. Maybe it's a good indication of where he's at against a team he struggled with, you know, historically. But now I think. I'm pretty confident in saying that this Oregon offense has both a higher floor and a higher ceiling than maybe some of the previous quarterbacks that we've seen coming through Eugene, uh, most notably Tyler Shuck and, and Anthony Brown. Um, and, and it's just really refreshing to, to see a quarterback that's willing to take those deep shots. Obviously that play to Troy Franklin was probably the highlight of the game, but um, I think you, you keep it simple. Uh, we've heard that these past two weeks, right? Do simple better. Um yeah, like, like Trello is saying, you know, not forcing anything um, from Bo. So he's continuing to make strides week by week. And I wrote that even like before this season, I want to say, you know, the Oregon doesn't need their quarterback to be a superstar because the backs are amazing. We're going to talk about the backs. And then so are these wideouts and these tight ends. So, uh, you know, still really impressed with, with Bo. And he didn't turn the ball over, too. That's like another massive, massive step of improvement um, after, uh, you know, that opener against Georgia. Yeah, hundred ten percent. You know, um, Bo. You know, Bo. Yeah, looked not great against Georgia, and then I think in that second in that second uh, game, that game against Eastern Washington, everyone's like, "Oh, it's just Eastern Washington. It's an FCS school. Wait until he goes up against some of the better teams. He's going to get absolutely pummeled again." Um, I think he showed that you can that give it time and he can really settle he can settle in and really grow and grow with this grow with this team grow with the system um and he looked really he he looked really good he he aired it 
he aired it out. He went through his reads. He did the simple things right, which was uh, that thing that we've been met, which is something we've been mentioning a lot, and also that uh, Dan Lanning uh, mentioned in that Eastern Washington presser uh, a week a week ago. And you know, um, this was this was I think yeah the game that he needed uh, for Commons. You know he. He only uh, had incompletions on five passes, uh, 13 for 18, 222 for two touchdowns, uh, completion percentage of 72%, and a quarterback rating of 212.5, which, yeah, pretty pretty good. So I'm, I was very, um, what's the word? I was very uh, excited to see, excited to see uh, how Bo, uh, really aired, really aired it out, um, and I think the offense kind of really uh, was the thing that kept Oregon in this game. Defense, we can talk about that a little bit later because that definitely gave me a few gray hairs in the second half. Um, and yeah, I think just but overall, Bonex really uh, put this team on his back and uh, carried or carried Oregon to a win and really just punched uh, BYU in the face there. Yeah, I think every week, Mark, we're seeing more and more of Bo Nix and, and why he, you know, he was really highly touted coming out of high school, but the, the turnovers are really the biggest thing that um, that have kind of haunted him or, you know, been his biggest critique, uh, you know, during his time as a, as a college quarterback. Uh, but if, if they're able to run the ball like they have been, if these guys are able to get open – and run good routes that they don't need him to, you know, be running sideline to sideline like they did against LSU uh, last year. And then, you know, last second just fired that ball in the end zone. But I think that that's just, uh, they're, they're not asking him to do too much. And I think that's really helping his confidence. And, and that's a big reason why he was able to load up and then throw that 50 yard bomb to Troy Franklin um, and just put the, put the ball in a, a spot where he can, make it have his guy just say, Hey, you know, I think you're in one-on-one coverage and one-on-one matchup. I have confidence in you. I'm going to put the ball where it needs to be. And I'm just going to see if you can, you know, go up and make a play. And he did. Um, so we'll talk more about the, the, you know, offense overall and kind of how it's evolving, but just to get to a couple of these comments, Mikey G saying Bo knows and throws and goes and has to keep that going. Um, you know, hasn't turned it over since week one against Georgia, which is awesome. Uh, offense is just, peaking it feels like maybe not peaking but just operating on all levels got to keep that momentum going tony says i for one was hard on bo Nix. bo protected the ball and that's something that you really want to see keep going uh, every week you just got to take care of the ball especially against byu i think that was one of the biggest things uh going from eastern washington to a ranked byu team physical byu team they were down some guys on both sides of the ball but the margin for error was so small uh, compared to Eastern Washington. And if you turn the ball over, we all know how that can affect games. So uh, really liking what I'm seeing from Bo. Um, I'm kind of surprised they're running him this much, especially after uh, the Georgia game, because I remember I was talking to our Georgia publisher, Brooks Austin, uh, before that one. And he was saying that uh, he was surprised that that Kenny Dillingham didn't scheme as many you know runs for, for Bo Nix in that game. But He's kind of been running wild these past couple weeks, uh, but I don't think he's putting himself in jeopardy. I mean, there were a couple of at the goal line when he was, you know, anytime you're extending, you're kind of putting yourself uh, in harm's way. But Bo Nix continues to impress, and uh, I think he's really just making strides that are going to help this Oregon offense um, be efficient. They're starting faster. That's another thing we can talk about later. But uh, just kind of wrapping up final thoughts on Bo Nix. Yeah, um, but uh, I think it was Troy Franklin during I think it was Troy Franklin during the uh, the post game kind of media availability. Uh, somebody asked him if he liked uh, watching Bo kind of like put himself out, put himself kind of on the line to get a couple of those big uh, conversion. He's like, yeah, I like that, and um, I think that yeah, or um, that Bo has really stepped up. Um, I think. Um, we saw why, yeah, why this staff brought him in. And it's kind of like we said, it's like, I heard a lot of Oregon fans saying, it's like, we, it's like, start top, 
start tie, don't play bow after that first game. It's like, and it's just one game. Um, and it was against probably the worst opponent you could go up against in a first game. And now Bo has really, yeah, turned it around since that, that last game, put on two stellar performances, including one uh, against that against a really good B, solid BYU team. Yeah, so we're gonna have to see. We're gonna have to see what's going on as far as can't like Tony says here. You know, how, how does Bo Nix look against a Pac-12 team? How does Bo Nix look on the road? Um, and compare that to the Georgia game because not every game that Oregon plays on the road is gonna be like that Georgia game. But uh, you know, they do have to travel on the road a couple times this year, starting things off in the Palouse. You have to go to Berkeley. You have to go to Tucson uh, to play Jed Fish, his new and improved Arizona team um that some people want to call a trap game i don't know if we have to go there just yet um but i think you know great to see great to see bo nicks continue to make strides and uh i think he's he's really just going to keep getting better if he can continue doing what he did uh doing the simple things better and i think that the way that dillingham has called the last two games uh, have just been super super good uh and you know healthy for what bo wants to do and just kind of keep to build that confidence Let's let's hop into our next topic. Oregon's offense, man. Oregon's offense continues to open up the playbook. I think a lot of that starts with how uh, Oregon's been running the ball. Um, they, they just were dominant on, on the ground in this game. Uh, racked up 212 rushing yards and three touchdowns. Uh, Bucky Irving led the way with 14 carries for 97 yards. And then Noah Whittington was right there behind him, 13 carries for 66 yards. And I think just to, to touch on the running backs here, man, Bucky Irving is not easy to tackle. I think that was one of the biggest things that, that really stood out to me in this one. We already knew about it before you know, we ultimately saw him play. If you watched any of the tape last year um, against, or when he was at Minnesota, rather, but uh, Bucky Irving looks like he's really established himself as the the lead back for Oregon, and then Noah Whittington's right there. Like they're just they're really complementing each other well. Their their running styles they they both have a lot of burst. Love the vision that I'm seeing from both of these guys. And uh, you know I think the even bigger thing is that it doesn't stop there. You have Jordan James as a guy who's gotten in a lot as a true freshman. It looks like he's not going to redshirt if, if these first three games are any sample. And he's kind of emerging as their third down, fourth down back, coming up with some pretty big plays to help keep the chains moving. So super, super impressed with this Oregon running back uh, room. And uh, I'd be curious to see how they stack up with the uh, rest of the Pac-12. Yeah, I think uh, Irving and uh, Winnington and Winnington are absolutely the one-two uh, for, this Oregon, for this Oregon team. They've really separated themselves, especially as of this week. Um, just having that that one-two punch to be able to go to be able to know that you have two, two dudes who can just go out there, who can go out there, grind, get you uh, those yards. I don't think either of them have broken a hundred in a game so far this year, but uh, uh, Bucky Irving got really close. Um, Three, three yards shy uh, with uh, 14 for 97. So I think he, he's going to break it uh, at least once this year, at least once this year. Um, I would not be surprised if it's next week with the, um, with the trajectory that he's on, but you know, Oregon showing just that, that multidimensional um, capabilities and showing that it's like when you play Oregon, you've got to defend against the run and against uh, the pass, you know, uh, Troy Franklin was all, you know, uh, receiving wise Troy Franklin out there. Um, Got eighty, uh, got eighty-four yards uh, on five tar- on five targets. Uh, I think it that is yes. Uh, um, no touchdown, no touchdowns, but I uh, got that long ball of uh, fifth, of fifty yards. You know, Chase Co- Chase Coda put up thirty-eight, and then uh, Terrence Ferguson uh, gets both get, got two touchdowns. Um, on the on the day both uh with both of his targets so that's pretty good if you ask me two for two for two tuds um if i was a wide receiver i would absolutely take that stat line um and they have been on and they have just been rolling and quite frankly yeah steamrolling teams and um kind of also a little bit going back to bonix i think 
really uh, Oregon showed, yeah, why he's the star- why he's the starter, why he's able to uh, uh, to help lead this this team. Um, I don't know if uh, now would be the time to talk about uh, talk about Ty, but um, I know we saw a little bit of him in there, and that's definitely when I think a lot of people in that stadium started to get almost a little bit worried, even though the closest that BYU got, I believe, was 18. Yeah, so they, we, we can talk about that a little bit later, uh, maybe after we get into some more stuff about the offense overall and just how they're progressing. But I think that really the – the we got to talk about this play of the game and, and from from Troy Franklin and I got I got the highlight here. Uh, it's only ten seconds and you can't hear it unfortunately, but I mean, just hearing the offense, hearing the Otson crowd just absolutely explode after this highlight was just amazing. I mean, just it. I feel like all that emotion was just like you know that's something that they've wanted for so long. We can just let it keep going because I'm sure everyone wants to watch this play like a million times. Um, but just for look the protection, stepping up in the pocket from Bo Nix, the, the ball placement, the, the elevation from, from Troy Franklin in this one was just awesome. You see Dante Thornton there hyping him up after the game. Um, but that's like another story here is just Oregon's offense just keeps evolving and, and they're starting to take more deep shots, getting creative. Um, and, and Troy Franklin continues to make his case as, as wide receiver one for, for this team. And I don't think that you can really argue that. Terrence Ferguson also, we got to talk about the tight ends getting involved. Maliki Montevao had an awesome block on um, on Bucky Irving's 36-yard run that, that set up the first touchdown of the day. Um, and Cam McCormick also had a, a nice play in that game. Just a total wall in, in the protection there. So I think we're, we're, we're finally seeing what this Oregon offense has been capable of. The, the wide receiver talent has been so elite on the recruiting trail, but we just haven't seen them get utilized like they want to and like they've needed to. So it's, you know, it kind of reminds me of what Dillingham and Lanning were saying, you know, this is going to be a system that guys want to come play in. And after seeing these last two weeks, I don't think you can argue against that. It feels like they're hitting stride and they're really, uh, really, really efficient and effective and maybe above all, Mark, fun to watch. Absolutely. Yeah. This was a really fun uh, game to watch. It's been a fun uh, team to watch the past couple of uh, couple of games, um, and I think really Oregon fans, yeah, they've been wanting to see this since Justin Her- since Justin Herbert. When people, uh, when many fans were criticizing Mario Cristobal, saying it's like, "Why are you just running the ball? You are wasting the talent of a of an NFL ready quarterback." And after seeing what we've seen Herbert be able to do in the NFL as of lately, um, including hurt this last week against the Kansas city chiefs. Um, like that's, I, I think, yeah, now, now you're finally seeing this Oregon offense really open up under this new, this new coaching, st- this new coaching staff. And I agree. Yeah. Troy Franklin, I think is the number one. He's, he's going to be Bo's, uh, main target, uh, going going forward but yeah you cannot count out the rest of this offense you know chase you know uh believe yeah chase coda uh had a solid had a solid day uh as the as another wide receiver and yeah terrence ferguson uh all these guys really ball really balling out and showing that this is a multi-dimensional team and it's a team that is that is physical that plays fast uh but also physical, so kind of combining aspects of both um, of both the Chip Kelly area that we saw that we saw when Oregon was known for its speed, but also kind of seeing that SEC blend of it, uh, seeing that um, that style of that rough style of play that uh, all those SEC teams are known for. And I want to pull up the quote here actually from. Uh, from Coach Lanning that he mentioned at the at the presser when he was asked about um, the identity of this te- about the identity uh, of this team, and it was he said, "Where is it? Oh yeah, um, he said we want to be the team that you don't want to play again. We want to be the team that when you walk onto the field, or when you when you walk out onto the field." 
you are sore and you're feeling it felt physical. We are relentless and we just continue to nag you. There were certainly some moments where I saw today where we showed that and there were certainly some moments we could have finished and we didn't. So looking for those moments of growth, but relentless is the big word I would look to use. Yeah, that, that was an awesome quote from Lanning, just seeing that they had a goal they wanted to, he talked earlier too, I think he opened the press conference saying that they wanted to outrush their opponent because that sends a physical message. So it doesn't seem like that's going anywhere. Oregon's kind of going to be a run first team. And I think that that makes a lot of sense with the physicality that, uh, that they play with. And then they wanted to stop the run. And I mean, they did stop the run a lot. We haven't gotten to the defensive part of the, the discussion yet, but only 61 rushing yards for, for BYU. So I think also the other point that I wanted to get to on this Oregon offense is, is they were able to, they had that one play where they lined up with Connerly and I think it was three tight ends were in at one point and, you know, Lanning referenced it in his presser saying, you know, we lined up, we, we, we knew we were going to run. You knew we were going to run the whole stadium knew we were going to run. Now it's like, okay, time for you to step up and show us that you can stop it and then we'll stop doing it. And that's what I think kind of happened against, where it happened with crystal ball, but sometimes there were times when he would go to the run, even when it was already stopped or it wasn't working and it just kind of got dry. But um, I thought that was awesome. That displayed a ton of confidence. We also have to shout out the offensive line. We can't finish the offensive segment without, without talking about the offensive line. Ryan walk returns in this one, but moved over to right guard because Steven Jones wasn't able to go uh, in this one. So Marcus Harper, the second gets his first career start as a duck. And uh, he really showed showed out and, and had a great game. Um, I was we were just watching that play. If you guys are listening to this on podcast of uh, Bo Nix just airing it out to Troy Franklin down the field, and that man's just had a wall. I mean, T.J. Bass, Marcus Harper, and Alex Forsyth just gave him the cleanest. Like no one was within like five or ten yards of that guy. And Bo Nix hesitated a little bit, but then he just uncorked it. So uh, three straight. We're through three games now, Mark, and this Oregon offensive line still isn't a lot of sack. That's a huge testament to them, uh, but also to Bo Nix, who is probably one of the slipperiest quarterbacks in all of college football. So Oregon's offensive line continues to impress. Um, I think that that was a performance that really flew under the radar against Georgia because the score was so lopsided, but they were getting like four and a half yards of carry on the ground in that game, I think. So um, it's it's really good to see Oregon, you know, even though they were without some guys, uh, they were able to step up. Um, I think we actually did have a quick injury question that I wanted to, uh, hop on and, and, uh, address from Mikey G. Sorry if you already talked about it, but haven't heard yet the extent to which Carwell and Flo were out. Uh, yeah. So by, no Byron Carwell, no Justin Flo in this one. Um, I think that Lanny, when he was talking about Carwell said that he was kind of day to day throughout the week. Uh, and that if they wanted him to go and, you know, push it, then he probably would have been uh, available, but clearly this Oregon running back rotation isn't going to miss a beat when just one guy goes down. Um, and that's no slight to Carbwell because he's done really well when his number's been called. Um, but uh, they, they just continue to be effective and efficient and then no flow. I don't think he got super specific on flow, Mark. I don't know if you might be able to to fill us in here with that, but I know that that flow wasn't able to go in, in this one, but um, it really didn't make a, a whole lot of a difference because they just had other guys step up. And then Lenny was talking about how he felt good about, uh, about the um, depth that they have and just being able to to have guys step up when it matters most. That was one of your takeaways as well. Um, looking through the, uh, let's see, really the same thing for Justin Flo. This is landing in the presser. If we had to push Justin, he was able to go through warmups today. Uh, he could have definitely contributed for us today and helped us. Uh, so it sounds like he tried to go and was kind of a game time decision. They're like, hey, let's not worry about it. And I think also with his injury history, you, you don't want to push him if you feel like you have that good solid depth there. And I think that they do with, with how many snaps Jeffrey Bossa has played, who came up with an awesome fourth down stop on that opening drive, Jackson LaDuke as well. So to, to answer your question, Mikey, those are kind of some of the, uh, some of the updates that we have. Uh, I, if I had to speculate, I would think that they're going to be good to go uh, next week, but we know how uh, tight lipped injuries are. Yeah. Um, basically same things that, that you mentioned. Yeah. I remember um, hearing landing, um, mention um the news about um caldwell and justin uh at the press com at the presser i know um kind of at the beginning of the game uh up in the press box we were uh all looking around seeing if we could or we were looking over towards the oregon sideline trying to see uh if we could see justin flow um because we didn't see him out 
on the field. Then again, that guy is kind of hard to miss because of that big neck plate he usually wears uh, coming up the back uh, or the, the top of that jersey, which is pretty cool. Um, uh, makes him nice uh, or makes him identifiable, uh, definitely. But I do think that yeah, these these guys are going to be getting ready to go. I think uh, yeah, you, you got to be fully ready to go uh, before you get into pack before you get into pack twelve play and. You've got a tough one uh, right off the bat against uh, against Wazoo, so they're going to definitely uh, want everyone as healthy uh, as they can get. All right, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break here on the Ducks Dish podcast. On the other side, we're going to get into Oregon's defense and uh, continue breaking down this BYU game and kind of what's next for the Ducks. So don't go anywhere. we got more Oregon football talk for you after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Duck Stage Podcast. I'm your host, Max Torres. That's Mark Wang. And we are breaking down Oregon's 41-20 win over the BYU Cougars. And now for our next topic, we got to talk about the Oregon defense versus the BYU Cougars because I think that for as well as the offense was operating, I think that Oregon's defense really set the tone in this game, Mark, because BYU uh, was the first team to get the ball. And uh, they went for it on fourth down. Got to give a shout out to Bennett Williams, who did an awesome job setting the edge on that swing pass, uh, which forced the the BYU ball carrier back inside. And then Jeffrey Bossa took care of the rest. Just really, really good to see. I think Jordan Riley might have gotten a sack on that opening drive, I want to say, Mark. Um, So, yeah, so just just encouraging from from that defense um, to, to see them perform the way they did against a good offense albeit an offense that was missing Puka Nakua and Gunnar Romney, the top two wide receivers. Um, you know, that might take things away a, a little bit from this performance, but, but overall Oregon's Oregon's defense really showed up in this one. Like I said earlier, 61 rushing yards for BYU as a team on 24 carries averaging just 2.5 yards uh, every time they toted the rock. Um, you know, D- Jaron Hall had a, a pretty good game, 29 for 41 for 305 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, only got one sack, um, but I think that uh, you're feeling good about this run defense for sure, but I think that there's still some questions that need to be answered in the passing defense. Yes, I can get into the – I'm more than happy to get into the passing defense because that was – yeah, that was quite – that one was definitely interesting, yeah. And then kind of uh, going off of what you just mentioned, Max, with the – with the sack, it was uh, Jordan Riley and um, uh, Brandon Dorless who each uh, got about half. Who each got a half a sack um, on that one. On that one, and uh, yeah, kind of going off of that um, that BYU play. I remember like seeing them come out um, on fourth down, like first 
uh, drive of the game, I was like, already? You haven't even scored. It's like, really? This is the first drive of the game, and you're going for it on fourth down? Like, all credit to you guys for being aggr- for wanting to be aggressive, but dang, okay. And then, yeah, just seeing the defense really just get up, shut down the run shut down the rush defense, uh, unsettle BYU's court, uh, really unsettle BYU's quarterback. Um, and just being really able and just really being able to, uh, establish them to establish themselves, uh, as a bit or out there and re and really lock it down and really locking it down. Now the passing defense, that's another story because, um, they definitely let a few big plays go, a um, few big uh, deep passes uh, back behind back behind the defense, which is when uh, BYU started uh, chipping away at that. Then again, um, that's not entirely on them. They didn't have a lot of rest in between those drives because uh, the or because Oregon wasn't really able to uh, convert on the drives uh, that they had, which is when uh, Ty Thompson was on the field. And uh, but I mean overall this defense, the front the front seven and the middle of the defense played really well. And I think I also mentioned this in the five takeaways. The secondary is still the the secondary is still the issue. Like has it been as big of an issue? Maybe not necessarily, but it could be later down the line. Yeah, and, and I think just to go back to that first drive. I was able to catch, you know, the earlier parts of the game. Uh, then I had to rewatch, you know, most of the game. But I like that decision from BYU. I mean, you're you're coming into this game. You're you're the visiting team. Uh, you're looking to kind of silence the crowd. You feel confident about your offense after last week against Baylor. Uh, so that would have been. I wonder how this game would have shaken out if they were able to convert that fourth down. But that was even bigger for Oregon to to answer and to step up to the plate and make those big plays as, as a defense. Um, BYU finished eight of fifteen on third down conversions, but perhaps more importantly, zero for four on fourth down conversions. So uh, I think Oregon's third down defense is still a work in progress. That's definitely a mark that they're looking to improve on from last year. But those fourth down stops were huge. Uh, I think that the the corners and the secondary, like you were saying, are still kind of the biggest question mark right now. Um, the, the middle level of that defense is still improving. I know Lane has talked about how they kind of get exposed when there's, you know, a lot of open space and, uh, at least early in the season, a lot of that has come over the middle. Um, but to, to get to Trello's comment here, Christian Gonzalez is who I thought Michael Wright was. Yeah. He, he continues to show up. I think didn't have the best game against Georgia, but that's a, a tough debut for anybody. Um, but there's been a lot on his shoulders, right? Coming in. As a transfer, they were expecting him to be a plug-and-play guy. Um, he had two pass breakups in this one. I believe both of them were third down stops for Oregon. So, um, you know, had about as good of a game as you could have asked for for him. Um, but, you know, some of those other guys, you know, Triquiz Bridges, Dante Manning, still trying to see, you know, who who's working into that rotation and, and what that's ultimately going to look like. Bennett Williams, who I talked about, had some pretty good plays. Jaleel Florence has been getting a, a lot of run early in this game. I believe he's played in all three games. So he's on, he's on track to burn his red shirt um, because I think he's someone that that they want to have on the field a lot and that they're going to need. Because I think that even though Trico's Bridges spent most of last season as a corner, I I think he's still got a a lot of room to grow and I'm not sure how confident you're going to be because he was getting targeted pretty uh, often in, in this game. But um, a lot of that also goes back to the pass rush, which I think I've seen some people talking about uh, in the comments, how the pass rush just hasn't really been where it needs to be. Um, you know, only one sack in, in that game. And I think that obviously if there's a better pass pass rush, it's going to make the secondary look better. And it's going to make, it's going to make um, the, the job easier for those defensive backs. So that's kind of my two cents on the the corners. Um, and, and I kind of agree a little bit with this comment because Michael Wright was really, really highly touted coming to Oregon, had an awesome freshman season, but I feel like he kind of regressed, uh, you know, sophomore, junior seasons. 
Um, so that's a that that that's kind of a you know a tough thing to see. But Oregon secondary still remains a work in progress as they kind of rotate guys in and out throughout uh throughout the season so far. Yeah, I think once Oregon uh can kind of lock down more of that secondary, it won't be as much of a as much of a problem. But yeah, guys do need to step up uh big time, especially now with um with Pac-12 play starting. And I agree also the um the pass rush does need to be a bit more uh aggressive. I know we didn't see um a lot of pass rush the first two the first two games and only one sack this last game. So I mean Oregon was just able to Oregon was able to do just enough to unsettle um uh to un to unsettle BYU's quarter uh BYU's quarterback and just the BYU offense in general uh being able to um being able to get those st- to get those stops and now Oregon's in a very Oregon is in a very good position but they can be in an even better one once that defense really um locks it locks it down but I'm just yeah I'm worried mostly about that secondary because there are some quarterbacks that um in the Pac-12 that absolutely will burn the will absolutely burn that Oregon uh secondary um given the given the chance yeah and and they get they're getting a lot of tests against mobile quarterbacks and I think that's good early on in the season because they're going to face Cam Ward next week He's one of the most athletic quarterbacks in the Pac-12 after transferring from Incarnate Word, um, so I think he's going to be—he's going to give this defense uh, something to something to watch for sure. Uh, some last facts and figures on this defense: limited BYU to just 61 yards rushing. That's the first time they held an opponent to under 100 yards rushing since last season against Oregon State, who had one of the better rushing attacks with with BJ Baylor um, at, at that at, you know on that team. Uh, held BYU to just 139, 193 total yards in the first half, including only 39 rushing yards. So I think overall the defense is continuing to show that improvement. I think that the offense is improving much faster than the defense is, but I don't think that the defense is a huge concern necessarily. Um, but the the secondary is absolutely going to have to tighten things up, especially uh, you know when they get to face these teams that, that really want to air it out. So Overall, a, a solid game from Oregon's defense, but but still plenty of room to grow, plenty of improvement that they need to make, and uh, that's basically what we're hearing, you know, a- after the game. Yeah, absolutely, 110 percent agree. Um, once once or like I said, once Oregon's defense uh, kind of tightens down a little bit and helps to catch up to that offense, um, that's going to be a lot of help for Oregon because I do think Oregon um can um they can win those shootouts when they need to they've shown that against BYU they've shown that against Eastern Washington but that lead does need to be pretty darn substa- pretty darn substantial for them to be able to to keep that so which we also kind of saw a little bit in that game once BYU started closing the gap a little bit there definitely well we got a uh... We got some some folks here in the chat. I mean, a lot of great people in the chat. Uh, Ryan's here. Sports Chat five hundred three. Go Ducks! Such a huge win. Uh, always good to see you, Ryan. Uh, g- glad I got to hop over on his channel last week for for a live show, um, which is awesome. Uh, we have a couple more topics that we wanted to hit on here, Mark. What do you think this win means for Oregon? You 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 come in looking for your identity. Your last game in non-conference play, it's a conference built, a confidence booster. Um, and I think that it also helps the program to uh, feel more confident. Um, what do you think this BYU win means for Oregon? I think for Oregon, this is like, this shows really, yeah, what, what you can be. What is that, that baseline for what you can be, for what you can be, how you can play and what, what you're able to do. I mean, like we said, BYU, that was the 12th ranked team in the that's the 12th ranked team in the country. Just knocked off Baylor the week before in a double OT in a double OT game. Um for Oregon, this was a game that um this was a game coming off um of that Easter Washington game where everyone was saying it's like, yeah, you beat Easter Washington, but that's an FCS school, and you guys got absolutely whipped by the defending by the defending national champs. What can you do against a team? 
that is uh, in some metrics better than you at this moment, better than you. Um, and in the rankings, that was definitely uh, better. That was better than you because Oregon was 25, uh, BYU was 12. Um, even though that can be completely arbitrary at times, uh, you, if you're Oregon, you come into Austin Stadium, you get a bit, you have an opportunity to really uh, go out go out and make a statement win and they got that statement win so i think confidence wise that's a huge boost going into pack 12's pack 12 play that being said are there still some things to that they can fix up tighten up sure absolutely but confidence wise this was big i don't think you really could have asked for too much more from oregon through three games right i mean sure it'd be great to to beat georgia but after you saw that one folded out, yeah. I mean, I, I none of us expected Oregon to win that game. I, I expected them to be more competitive, but I said yes. throughout the whole summer and leading up to that game, I didn't expect them to win that game. So I think this is a best-case scenario for Oregon. Um, two pretty much blowout wins. Uh, I know you were saying that they kind of let BYU uh, in the game a little bit more towards the end, especially with how early Ty came in. But they had full control of that game, and they could have kept running it up if they wanted to. And that's something that we haven't seen from the Oregon offense in so long. So the, the offense is making strides. Um, you know, Bo's taking care of the ball. You, you showed that you can be competitive against physical teams. Uh, we got a better sense of what this team's identity is going to look like, especially offensively, still favoring the run, but having a balanced approach overall. Um, and uh, I think Lanning had a, had a pretty good sense of, has a better sense now of what an advantage the Autzen atmosphere is. I mean, he was already hyping it up, uh, you know, throughout the spring, after the spring game and fall camp. But this was, I feel like, a much better atmosphere than Eastern Washington. And it was one that they needed it to. It showed, this game showed why Autzen is, you know, one of the hardest places to play in the country, uh, even though it was, you know, an earlier game. Um, so just just uh, definitely the, the win that they needed. Uh, going into Pac-12 play um, because I think if you lose this game, you're a little bit more shaky going into Washington State. Um, but now we're going to learn at next week. We're gonna, I think we're going to have a better sense uh, what, what aspects of this team can travel. You know what things can because Oregon has not traditionally, at least the past couple seasons, been a team that excels at playing on the road. Uh, or getting off to fast starts. Like that's something that could be a trend this year, getting off to a fast start with the way the offense is progressing. Um, but um, let's see, what was I going to say there? Um, but I think there's still, there's still more that we need to learn. So Oregon looks like they, you know, for the most part are the real deal, but there's still plenty to figure out on defense. I think is, is that that's like the main point that we're, we're both agreeing on here. Yeah. Absolutely, hundred um, percent. I think, I think Oregon. If Oregon's offense can travel and they can block out the noise, which, granted, that's not easy to do on the road, especially out on the out on the Palouse, um, they might be in good shape. Um, I think if there was a team that could that could win um, a shootout in on the road in the Pac-12 play, it could be the it could very well this be this team. Troy Franklin, Bo Nix, able to maintain that connection on the road. I think that they can be. I think that they can be okay, but they've got to potentially be ready for a for an old uh, Texas style shootout, basically. Yeah, a shootout on the Palouse. I think. I think there's a potential that that could be the case. If that if Oregon's defense does not uh, show up at that game, it's going to be a straight uh, straight shootout. I think. Yeah, I think it could be. It's going to be a good game for sure. Uh, Mikey G says, I view this as I view this win as more about convincing themselves and the fans that they aren't the team from week one rankings will come. Don't really care. Just keep getting better and don't beat yourself. Yeah. That's, that's the, a big thing that Oregon was doing a lot of last year, you know, shooting themselves in the foot, playing down to their opponent. So at least through three weeks, it, it seems like the discipline is there a little bit more, you know, the ability to, to finish games, to finish drives, um, I know that that was something that I've been focusing on, at least when I'm talking about Fresno state, like that's a, a really good offense, but they haven't been able to finish drives their past couple weeks. And, and that's ultimately come back to bite them. So, um, finishing drives, taking advantage of, uh, of takeaways. I don't think there were any takeaways in this one. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Jaron Hall did a good job of uh, of um, protecting the ball. Um, and, you know, Ty had that interception. So overall, oh, yeah. it's, it was a, a pretty close game, a pretty clean game uh, overall for Oregon. Um, but any kind of final thoughts here, Mark, on kind of what this win over BYU means for the Ducks before we start to wind down? I think really um, this showed, yeah, what they can be. But we'll see how they do once Pac-12 play uh, starts up next week. All right. Um, we got uh, some more comments coming in. Um, Trello says, Landing seems like he knows how to manage the clock. I think that's an encouraging sign because uh, a lot of Mario Cristobal was catching a lot of heat uh, in that Texas A&M game for, for, you know, the timeout usage and the uh, Miami fans are getting upset about um, upset about how they manage the clock or manage timeouts. Um, it, it's, it seems like it's a pretty basic idea, but uh, you know, that's a, an example of how you can shoot yourself in the foot. If you're wasting timeouts, taking them earlier than you need to, then you don't have them when you really critically do need them. So I think that that landing's, continuing to evolve as a coach um each each week um certainly got kind of a, a rough welcome to head coaching against Kirby Smart and his former team but um I think that uh, I'm, I'm still impressed with how he's he's doing how he's carrying himself and uh, I think he's doing all the right things with this Oregon team yeah I agree I think Oregon also um definitely yeah kind of shot themselves in the foot that that first week kind of just uh not being able to finish, not being able to finish drives, and then yeah, got to be able to manage the clock well. I think I've seen, um, I've seen Landing be able to really manage the clock well. Be, Oregon being able to finish your drives uh, this year, and um, I, I just, I kind of have to say this because it was kind of chewing on me, kind of going off of uh, this comment from David here. Mario uh, is tra- he showed it against last night against the A&M. It's like, okay, coaches can make. Coaches do make mistakes sometimes. They're human. That's part of the great element of the thing. But at least from the Oregon standpoint, a couple Pac-12 titles plus a Rose Bowl plus a Rose Bowl title and a Trujillo Fiesta Bowl. That's not bad, if you ask me. That's not particularly too bad, if you ask me. Was he conser- was Cristobal conservative a lot of the time? Yeah, and I'm not going to defend that because I think I personally do think he he wasted the potential of Justin Herbert, which we are seeing play out right now in the NFL in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, dude, Justin Herbert is that guy. Uh, definitely a bummer to see him go down on Thursday night um, against the chiefs. And again, they lost dog though. The fact yeah. that the man's got like four fractured rib, like four fractured cartilage in his rib gets up and still finishes that game. And it's only, I think like a four point game or something. Yeah, no, he, I mean, he came back in that game, uh, barely missed any time, but he was in visible pain and he was able to get a touchdown uh, late in that one with only a minute left, and they were still down by three. So that was tough to see. But I think for for just to you know respond to your uh, comment about uh, Mario, I think that he left Oregon in a better place than it was when he got there. Absolutely. And, uh, so I think that I understand all the critiques, but a lot of guys that are stepping up for Oregon now are guys that he recruited, um, which yeah. is which is awesome. Um, Plus, whether it got- be. Plus, he got the highest recruit in, I think, program history in um, in Kayvon. Yeah. Um, and then Lanning being able to bring in uh, a highest-range quarterback in Dante Moore. Yeah, exactly. So Oregon's – there's not really been that much of a drop-off when it comes to recruiting, and uh, um, Oregon's offensive line is looking really solid, and that is a, a obviously part partially because of, of what Mario was able to bring. We don't need to talk about him too much because uh, I know fans get kind of upset when we talk too much about Mario, the the former coach. But lost to uh, lost to A and M last night. Last topic we want to hit on here: Oregon comes in ranked number fifteen in the latest AP poll. Uh, week four poll was released on Sunday, so we can kind of just get into some of these results and then we'll we'll wind it down. Um, but here's the the latest result: Georgia still at number one with fifty nine first place votes. Bama, Ohio State, Michigan, and Clemson round out the top five for week four. 
uh, other Pac-12 teams that we're seeing make some noise. You got USC 3-0 after a 45-17 win over Fresno State. They're coming in at number seven. Then you got Utah at 13-2-1 with a 35-7 win over San Diego State. And then Oregon at 15, like we mentioned. And then the last Pac-12 team, Washington, 3-0 at number 18 with a 39-28 win over Michigan State at home in Seattle. And then uh, Oregon's next opponent, Washington State, is not ranked, but uh, they received 62 votes, and uh, so did Oregon State with 49. So still some love for for the Pac-12 there. Um, I was kind of surprised to see them make this big of a jump uh, after after their win of, over BYU. BYU falls to 19 from number 12. But uh, I think we're still just kind of figuring out, you know, how much how does how does the AP poll reflect, you know, how are they weighing these big games over, um, you know, these rank on rank games. Um, but yeah, I think I agree with some of these comments, you know, it would be cool to see Washington state ranked. Um, I'm still kind of getting a little bit more caught up on, on what happened yesterday across college football, but USC continues to look like they're the real deal, at least through three games. One of those games was over Stanford to start Pac-12 play. Uh, Utah continues to just, you know, take care of business after that Florida went or loss, excuse me. Um, and then Penn state really put the hurt on Auburn. So just kind of any, any other takeaways or any other kind of notables for you, Mark, uh, on the AP poll before we wind down. Uh, I was honestly surprised. Yeah. Also that Oregon jumped all the way up to 15. I, I'll admit I expected, um, I expected or, uh, Washington, to be over or uh, to be above Oregon in the polls, just because they are undefe- they are undefeated. They did just take down um, a big that big that Big Ten opponent in Michigan in Michigan State quite handily too, if I might quite handily too, if I might add. Um, USC is still the class of the Pac-12. They have been steam they have been steamrolling people. Um, I and- still say it's Utah. I think until a Pac-12 team beats Utah, I'm still going to have Utah up there. I um, I but, could see that. Yeah, I could but, see I mean, that too. Like the argument for USC is is definitely valid because they're yeah. showing it. You know, getting good wins uh, on a consistent basis. So um, I was just yeah. going to put that out there. But this is a really good start for the Pac-12 a- as a conference, right? You know, three oh, ranked absolutely. teams, four ranked teams. Excuse me, USC, Oregon, Washington, Utah, and then you have two other teams. In Oregon State, Washington State receiving votes. Uh, I think that the Pac-12 as a conference has has done a good job in just elevating their standing and you know some respect. But again, it's only three weeks, so we gotta see. We can't we can't jump too far ahead of ourselves. Absolutely, yeah. We haven't even gotten into the part where all of these Pac-12 teams play each other and then uh, instantly uh, end up beating each other end up beating each other up. Um, which is usually what always tends to happen. Usually one team can beat two of the teams and then we'll lose to that third. We'll usually lose to that third one. Um, we've seen that happen time and time again uh, in the Pac-12. But um, but I agree with you. This is a really solid start for the, Pac- for the Pac-12. We'll see how they can continue from here. All right. Well, I think that'll just about do it. For us here on uh, the Dust Dish podcast, got about an hour in um, to get you know our thoughts and uh, analysis out there for Oregon's big forty-one to twenty win over the BYU Cougars. Mark, before we get out of here, where can people find more of you? Uh, Ducks di- uh, on uh, Ducks Digest di- on Ducks Digest. I uh, got some uh, written stuff out. Got a couple of uh, five takeaways plus my first kind of big feature story, which is when will Oregon see another homegrown i.e. not a transfer uh multi-year starter uh when i'm actually particularly proud particularly proud of having gotten that one out uh and you can follow me at mark w 2016 on twitter all right folks uh had a little bit of technical difficulties sorry about that but we're gonna go ahead and wind it down if you guys want to find more of me you can follow me on m taurus sports and subscribe to my youtube channel at oregon football max taurus uh, really big favor to ask of you guys. Just take a second out of your day, like the video, and subscribe to the channel, and share the Ducks Dish podcast. But uh, until next time, that'll do it for us. Oregon stays hot with a win over BYU. Thank you for listening to the Ducks Dish podcast. Mother's Day is almost here. 
and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.